nation somewhere that, that most people don't even know where it is. Right? But you go and fight against them and you lose that battle even though you defeated, you know, a superpower, right? So, I mean, this, this is what we're talking about here. Verse 5 says, they, The men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shabaram, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, look at this, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. The hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua, Joshua was the leader of the nation at the time. He rent his clothes, a sign of mourning and repentance and what is going on. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded by this. So he, he rent his clothes and he fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, the eventide. He and the elders of Israel. So he got all the, all the ministers. He got, all the, he got the church board. He got all the leaders of the church together and, and said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray before the Lord. We're going we're gonna to get on our faces before the Lord. That's always a good thing when you suffer defeat. It's always a good thing to, to go before the Lord, right? So they, they went before the Lord. And they put dust upon their heads. That's a sign of mourning and just trying to humble themselves and say, look, we're, we're nothing. But what, what, you know, what, what's going on here? There's got to be something wrong. Verse 7, and Joshua said, alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt to on the other side, Jordan. Joshua starts sounding like the mumbling, complaining Israelites of the wilderness. And he's the leader. He's the one that God said, listen, you're going to go and smite all these people, and you're going to possess the promised land. And, and, and now Joshua's like, well, Lord, what'd you, if, if you're not going to let us defeat little old Ai, then why in the world did you even bring us here in the first place? Anybody ever felt like that? Lord, if you're, if you're not going to do something, why did you ask me to go do this? If you're, if you're not going to be with me, why, why did you even tell me? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Verse 8 says, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? We're not supposed to be running away from our enemies. What am I supposed to tell the people? I'm the leader. What am I supposed to tell them when we have to turn our backs and run away from our enemies? I want you to put your Bibles or your tablets or your phones, whatever device you have down. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. I'm going to preach to you this from this title, Victory after trouble victory after trouble would you lift your hands would you lift your voice and would you ask the lord to speak to us today lord here we are in your presence we've worshiped you lord hopefully you are honored with our worship today hopefully we presented an acceptable sacrifice to you today lord and right now lord we ask that you would just search our hearts and try us if there be anything in us lord that's not uh, pleasing in your eyes lord forgive us wash us in your blood right now Lord, prepare our hearts and minds to receive what you are going to say to your church today. Lord, you want to help some people this morning. You want to touch some people today. You want to strengthen some people today. I'm asking, Lord, that you would touch me today as I stand before your people. I'm asking, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint my words to speak your word today. Let it not be my words that are spoken, but let it be your words. Anoint these lips of clay, Lord, and I pray you would anoint every ear to hear, that you would anoint every mind to understand, and you would anoint every heart uh, to receive uh, every word that comes forth from the mouth of God today. Uh, speak to your people. Let us receive it, hear it, understand it, and let us respond accordingly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, victory after trouble. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Listen, it, I, I imagine they were having some sort of Holy Ghost party. I mean, Caleb was probably over there uh, jumping around all over the place, shouting with the voice of triumph, saying, I waited for this moment for 40 years. Rahab is probably crying tears of gratitude that she was spared from that battle in Jericho. Uh, uh, Joshua is probably dancing a jig as the leader, you know. 
he's up there dancing his little jig. And, and I'm sure Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the, the high priest, is, is probably blowing the priest's trumpet and, and, and praise and worship and calling everybody to worship. Uh, Phineas was probably running around. Phineas was Eleazar's son, um, and he was the son of the high priest at the time. And he's probably running around with his spear. Woo! Look what, God did. Look what the Lord has done. They're having a party. They're, they're celebrating victory. It's awesome. There's all this stuff, great and awesome and wonderful stuff is going on. The kids are probably running all over the place, and, and, and there's probably tambourines going, like, like when Miriam and, uh, got the tambourines out and led the ladies in worship as, as Israel crossed over the Red Sea. I mean, there's probably tambourines everywhere, and, and, and all these things are going on. The shofars were playing left and right, and, the, and, and someone's beating on a drum, and... and and, and I don't know what all was going on, but they were out there and they were partying and they were excited and they were like, yes, we're moving into the promised land. Yes, God is with us. God is fulfilling his word. What a time we're having. What a party it must have been. And God had promised Joshua. Promised Israel that no one would be able to stand against them. As long as they were walking in the promised land. He had proven that by giving them victory over Jericho. Think about Jericho for a moment. They had walls so wide that they had chariot races on top of the walls. And all Israel had to do was obey and walk around one time a day for seven days and seven times around on the seventh day and then shout with the voice of triumph. And God caused the walls of Jericho to fall down flat. And the very walls that were keeping them out, that were trying to keep them from possessing Jericho, they used them as ramps to run up and jump over into the city and capture the city. So they must have been on a high. And they're thinking God is keeping his promises. Like he said in Joshua 1, 5 through 7, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. He's talking, this is God talking to Joshua. And he's saying, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee turn not from it look at that turn not from it to the right hand or to the left and we're not talking about politics just stay on the straight and narrow don't go this way and don't go that way just stay on the straight and narrow that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest what a promise it was you just do what I tell you to do and you're going to prosper wherever you go By the way, that's still a valid promise today. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 7 says, The Lord shall cause thine enemies. This is Moses speaking to Joshua as he turns the, the mantle over to Joshua. And he's, Joshua, Moses is getting ready to, to go on. And, and, and God is getting ready to take Moses. And, and, and Joshua is going to lead them into, the, into the, the promised land. And Moses says, The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Man, what, what an awesome promise, right? You, you come against me? And, and and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You come against me one way, you're gonna run away from me seven ways. Like you you come against me from the east, and you're gonna you're gonna run away from me. You're gonna be going west and 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 south and north and northeast and northwest and and southeast and southwest and south southwest and whatever other directions you could come up with. Like like or they're gonna come against you with one weapon, and they're but they're gonna flee fleeing, uh, dropping all their weapons, leaving all their weapons behind, and it doesn't matter what they did against you. They're gonna run away from you seven in seven different ways. God's gonna give you a victory in 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 a one to seven ratio over what the enemy did did to you, or tried to attack you in. And now God has proven that word. That he, he caused them to be victorious over Jericho, which was probably one of the greatest cities in the promised land. And he had just given them victory over Jericho. And now it's time to go to the next city and conquer that city. And it's just this little village called Ai. Not even very many people 
in that village. It should have been an easy victory. It should have been certain triumph. It shouldn't have been a question whether or not they would get victory over that. It, it shouldn't have been a problem. But what really happened? We read what happened. They went out to fight. And instead of their enemies fleeing from them seven ways, they ran away. I feel like I need to tell somebody right now. Listen, you had a great victory. Don't get overconfident. You got to stay humble. Amen. Humility is always the foundation for everything we do with God and everywhere we want to go with God. You're never going to walk in victory if you don't walk in humility. Amen. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. None of us have, have, have victory without grace, Brother Rosa. It just doesn't happen. And God gives grace to the humble. You don't get grace by being prideful. I don't want God fighting against me. I don't want God resisting me. I want to work with God. The Bible says that the Lord worked with the early church, confirming the words of science following. They went forth and they did what God said. And as they were obeying, God was working with them. I want God working with me, Brother Lou. That's what I want. I want, I want Jesus working with me. I, I don't want Jesus working against me. That's just not a good situation. <laughs> and so Joshua, he, he sends out the scouts. And they came back and they said, look, you know, we can, we, we got faith. We got confidence. You know, we took out Jericho. Look, psh, little, whatever, let's just, just send a couple grand people out there, just 2,000, 3,000. Just, just send them out there. And, and, and we, we don't, everybody doesn't really need to go to battle. Let everybody else just kind of sit back and relax. And, you know, they can stay back in the camp and they can just pray. But everybody doesn't need to go. And, and you know, just let a few people go to church on Sunday and the rest can watch online. It'll be okay. Or let a few people give their tithes and offerings, but they don't really need mine. I'll just, I'll just, oh boy. My brother Brown's meddling this morning. Sorry. Not, not, not really. I've got to say what God tells me to say. But it, it seemed like a good plan. I mean, it should be an easy victory, right? It's a little old city. You don't really need all this big army. It'd be, I mean, it'd be overkill, Brother James. We, we don't really need, you know, we don't really need that many people. But let me ask you a question. When we read that text, hopefully you were paying attention. What did Israel fail to do before they went to battle? What did Joshua as the leader failed to do, yeah, they, they scouted it out. They did their homework. They did their research. They mapped out the battle. They, they did all that stuff. They, you know, they followed the pattern, right? But what, what did they do? What did they not do? <laughs> Forgive my voice. It keeps going up and down because I'm, I'm struggling. Youth convention got my voice just being all kinds of, I feel like a teenager up here right now. <laughs> voice just cracking left and right. I'm a little bit past puberty, I thought, anyway. <laughs> It doesn't feel like it right now with my voice. But they, they failed to pray. They did not involve God in their battle planning. Can I just tell somebody this morning that we need Jesus in every battle we face? Come on, somebody. We can have an altar call right there on that. All right. well, we need Jesus every battle that we face. Every, every uh, uh, confrontation we have with an enemy, I need Jesus. He's never lost a battle. He's never been outmaneuvered by an enemy. He's never been outstrategized by anyone that came against him. He's never been overpowered by an opponent. He's never crafted a faulty battle plan. Why would we not seek out the counsel of a general of heavenly armies uh, who has never lost a battle why would we not want his input and his counsel before we go into battle but Joshua the one who had watched Moses all those years the one who would linger in the presence of God when Moses would go back down and deal with the people Joshua even let his guard down he even failed to seek after God I don't care if it's just a little fox. 
it can still spoil the vine. Sometimes the little foxes are able to get in there underneath the fences and underneath all the things and, and start spoiling the vines, and, and, and we don't see them. They sneak under the radar, if you will. But God sees everything. <laughs> so I need to go to the one who sees everything and knows everything to get my battle plan, amen? But that's not the only thing they failed to do. They did not search their own hearts. And they did not align themselves with God as they were going into battle. We read in verse 7 that they're not supposed to turn from uh, the right hand or to the left from the command of the Lord to do it. Don't go to the left hand, go to the right hand. Can I just tell somebody that there is a lot of promises in the Bible? Somebody said there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. I haven't counted them, but it, it, it's probably true. And all of them are mine. Yeah, we say amen, right? Are they? Well, in theory, yes. But most of the promises we find in the Bible come in the form of something along the lines of if you, then I. <laughs> we have a promise in the Bible that Jesus will wash our sins away. If I get baptized in Jesus' name. But if I don't get baptized in Jesus' name, he's not going to wash my sins away. Because baptism in Jesus' name is for the remission of sins. That's Acts 2 verse 38. We've got a promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But that's if we go out and fight against the gates of hell. We have a promise that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If we confess our faults and pray one for another that you may be healed. But if I don't confess my faults and I don't pray for somebody, then God's... I, God's not going to answer a prayer you don't pray. Then you might have just prayed it in your mind. I mean, God's not going to hear a prayer that you don't pray. Therefore, he can't answer it. We have a promise that the sick shall recover if we lay hands on them and pray for them. But if I don't lay hands on and pray for them, how am I going to know? There's a power we're laying, laying on of hands, right? But the Bible says if we'll anoint them with oil and lay hands on them and pray for them, they'll be healed. But if I don't anoint them with oil, if I don't pray for them, then God's not going to answer the prayer that I didn't pray. <laughs> the Israelites were promised victory in every single battle, and not one enemy would ever be able to stand, not even one man would ever be able to stand against them all the days of their life, as long as if they didn't turn from the right hand or turn to the left hand. So what happened at Ai? Did God break his promise? They're running away from the enemy. 36 soldiers died. And it was just this little bitty city, this little bitty town that shouldn't have been able to even muster up enough army to fight against 3,000. And they lost the battle. And people died as a result of it. You see, here's what happened. Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. This is what God is telling Joshua. Joshua, the man of God, is actually telling the people this right before they go in to take Jericho. It says, the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are. That word accursed means devoted and dedicated and separated and banned. So it's like it's banned from you being able to have it because it's devoted and dedicated to the Lord. So everything in that city was supposed to be an offering to the Lord, 
was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord. So the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Don't take it. I don't care how pretty it is. I, I don't care how good you think you're going to look in that suit. I, I don't care how much you think that you can what, what you think you can buy with that gold and silver. I, I, I don't I don't care what uh, how wonderful that that thing looks. Do not take it. Keep yourselves in any wise from the accursed thing. When you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse. Look at that. And trouble it. Lest you make yourselves accursed. If you touch the cursed thing, if you take what's God's, if you take the thing that's dedicated to God, which was everything in that city, in this case, nothing was supposed to be left alive except Rahab and her house. If you keep anything, not even a servant, not even an animal, not even something to offer a sacrifice, not even gold to put in the offering, uh, not, not anything, not even an outfit that you liked, nothing. You're not supposed to keep anything. Soldiers, you don't bring home something pretty that you saw so that you can give it to your wife and get in, with good, in good graces with the wife. No, don't bring home anything. Lest you make yourselves accursed, and then it says you make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. If you touch the accursed thing, you trouble yourself and you trouble the nation. You trouble the whole camp. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the gold and the silver and all that stuff you keep, you bring it to the Lord. It goes into the tabernacle. It goes into the treasury of the Lord. God is the one that gets all that. You don't keep any of that stuff for yourself. So they had their marching orders. We think the battle of Jericho was just march around and then shout and God's going to give them the city. No, no, no. You march around, you shout, God's going to give you the city, but then you go and destroy everything and you don't keep anything for yourself. That was the marching orders. And if you don't execute the marching orders to the T, you didn't obey. Because partial disobedience or partial obedience is disobedience. Come on. Can I get an Amen. Partial obedience is disobedience. Amen. So listen, we, we never need to go into battle without God's battle plan. All right? And Joshua had the battle plan. The man of God had the battle plan, and he gave it to Israel. It's, it's military rank and structure. Brother Sam knows about this. Brother, Brother Jonathan knows about it. There's others in our in our congregation that have served in the military that know a little bit about this privates don't make the battle plans they help go out and execute it but you know you got the the officers the the brass they're the ones making the battle plans and the, the sergeants get to be a part of that sometimes and and you know they, they get a voice in that but the sergeants then go out and give the orders to the to the privates and the corporals and, and all that and they go out and they uh, they go out and they execute the battle plan um it's the same way in the kingdom of God. You know, we, we sing that old song, right? I, I'm in the Lord's army. You know, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. I'd be singing it, but I have no voice, so <clears throat> y'all don't want to hear me sing anyway. But I'm in the Lord's army. You're in the Lord's army. You are a soldier in the army of the Lord. You got to learn to get your battle plans from the Lord and from the man of God that he has placed in your life. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 18 says every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. Look at that. Every purpose is established by what? By counsel and with good advice make war. Joshua didn't go to the Lord and get counsel. And so he never got God's battle plan. And then Proverbs 24, verse 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in multitude of counselors there is safety. Listen, God is the general of his armies. Amen? He gives the battle plans. He gives us the marching orders. But 
he usually gives them through the commanders that he's put in place. He gives it through the man of God. Look through the Bible. Moses was the man of God, and he's the one that got the marching orders from God. Joshua was the man of God, and he's the one that got the marching orders or was supposed to get the marching orders. Godly leaders. And then after, after Joshua, it was, it was the judges. And then after the judges, it was, it was the prophets. And even the kings would get their battle plans and their marching orders from the man of God. Even the kings needed a man of God. Even the kings needed a pastor. They needed, they needed the, the, the prophets to speak to them. So don't ever despise or discount or cut out the voice of the prophet, of the man of God, of the pastor in your life. I know you can hear from God, and I'm glad. I want you to know the voice of God, and I want you to hear from God. But the pastoral leadership is also the one that has heard from God and, and, and many times is anointed to give you the battle plan. Don't go to war without counsel because with good counsel is how you make war. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So don't go Go to war without counsel. God, I, I know that you can hear from God. I'm glad. I, I, my, my hope is that every one of you know the voice of God and you can hear the voice of God. And I'm not saying you've got to come to me and ask me every time you're going to make a decision. You don't have to call me and ask me what you're going to wear today. Man, I, I'd, I'd block everybody if that was the case. I'd probably resign right now. I can barely dress myself. <laughs> I don't need you to, to call me and get counsel about what you're going to eat for dinner or what restaurant you're going to go to after, after service. You know, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about that. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't a power trip. This isn't a power play. It's not what I'm talking about. But in the multitude of, of counselors, there's safety. And with good counsel, we go to war. We get good advice and then we go to war. We got to get the battle plan. And many times, God's, that's just the way God has structured it. He put a shepherd in place to watch over your soul. He put a shepherds in, in place to watch over my soul. I've got to stay under authority as well. God forbid I don't be like Joshua and I never pray about the battles that we're going to face. We're not going to go out there and fight a battle as a church if I haven't prayed. God forbid if I ever do that, man, I hope I never do it. I'm not planning on doing it. We're going to pray and we're going to hear from God. We're going to get God's battle plan. And when God gives us a battle plan, it's going to be a winning battle plan. It always is. So I'm not just saying you got to, but what I'm saying, I'm not just saying that, that you can't do anything without me, but I, I need you as well. And many times I'm going to hear from God through you. Gifts of the Spirit. And, and, we're, and we're together. And, and, and I can't see everything. So many times you're going to see things and you come and talk to me about it. And, 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 and I'm like, okay, thank you. I needed to hear that. Let me take it to prayer. What does God say about it? Now let's move. Let's come up with a plan. Let's go. Let's do what we got to do. So God, God is not a respecter of persons. Brother Al, you can hear from God for yourself. As a matter of fact, I would say to every man that's in here, especially to the husbands and the fathers, your voice is the first voice that your wife and your family ought to seek when it comes to counsel. There's a lot of pastors that wouldn't agree with me on that. But I am not the one that's going to be held accountable when it comes to your family first. God's coming to you first. Yes, God is, I'm going to give an account for your souls. But you are supposed to get counsel for your family from the Lord. And if you need counsel, you can come to me, and I'll help you as well. But you need, your, your voice ought to be the first voice that your family hears. So you need to learn how to hear from God. Amen. I want you to hear from God. And I'll be here for you if you need counsel, you need advice. I'm, and ultimately, you know, you're going to learn how to make decisions on your own. But when you're not sure about hearing the voice of God, do you think God spoke to you? Come to me. Let's pray. Let's talk about it. God will confirm it. Or God will, God will reveal that maybe you were hearing a different voice and, and whatever. And we'll, we'll move forward, and we're going to have victory together. Amen? That's what we're going to do. So I know you can hear from God. I know that God's not a respecter of persons, but God is a respecter of principles. Amen? And the principle is that we make war by wise counsel amen nobody should be going into ministry without counsel <laughs> a 
Look, I've had tons of counsel in my life, and I appreciate it. And I've, uh, I have admired and appreciated Bishop Tryon's counsel all these, day, all these years that I've served under him. And, 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 and I'm just I'm so grateful for his wisdom, and I still need that in my life. And, and business decisions, many times you're going into battle when you're making a business decision. And, and, and it, it's not wrong to go to the man of God to ask for counsel. You can get other counsel, too, and whatever, but you need to hear from God. And if you're not sure that you've heard from God, then go and talk to the pastoral leadership. You should never enter into marriage without counsel. There's no greater war you're ever going to fight than the fight in the battle for your marriage. Marriage is warfare, and I'm not talking about with your spouse. <laughs> Although that might happen sometime. I mean, there is such a thing called intense fellowship, right? I mean, there's been times in our house you'd think World War III was breaking out. <laughs> we're better now. We've matured. We've grown up a little bit. It's like, you know, we're not quite so bad anymore. Y'all pray for us. <laughs> it can feel like war sometimes. But listen, look at society right now and how much marriage, biblical marriage, marriage defined by the Bible, one man and one woman, Right? Think about how much that's under attack in the world today. You better not enter into that without some sort of counsel, without some sort of battle plan from the Lord. Man, we need counsel because there's safety. So Israel, think about it like this. After, and let's, let's, go, let's, let's rewind the movie a little bit from, to before Joshua. What happened the first time they were supposed to go into the promised land and possess it, right? Moses says he sent the spies out. They came back. They gave, you know, some gave a good report. Some gave a bad report. And they were supposed to go out to battle, and they refused because they believed the bad report. And they refused to go into battle. And because they refused to go into battle, then God got angry with them and said, you're not, none of this generation is going to make it except for Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that said we could do it. Nobody's going to make it except Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> Excuse me. None of this generation is going to make it. So they're like, oh, we sinned. Oh, forgive us. We're going to go out to battle. And Moses said, no, you don't, because God's already spoken. The man of God said, don't you go out there and try to fight that battle right now. The Lord is not with you if you go and fight that battle. But what did they do? They went out and fought anyway. And guess what stayed back in the camp? The man of God and the God of the man. The Ark of the Covenant did not go with them into battle. Because if you go against the counsel of the man of God, God's not going with you into battle. If you go into war against the counsel of the man of God, then God is not going with you into that warfare, into that battle. If the man of God says, don't go and do it, and you go and do it, God's not with you. If the man of God says, go and do it, and you don't go and do it, then God's not with you while you're not doing it. This is kind of hard for me to preach as the pastor. And I'm not, again, this is not a power play. We need to understand this principle. We need counsel, and we need to go, and we need, we need to get counsel. We need to hear from God. And what happened when they went out? They, they, they lost the battle, and they came back, and Moses said, I did not tell you. God said, don't do it. And you did it anyway. And you learned your lesson. Well, Joshua learned a pretty valuable lesson, too. As a man of God, I better hear from God. Y'all pray for the pastor. Because the pastor needs to make sure he's praying, and the pastor needs to make sure he's hearing from God. And God forbid I ever stand in this pulpit, and I never prayed about what I got to pray. Every preacher in here, God forbid you ever get into this pulpit, and you don't pray before you get up here. You better hear from God. But Joshua and the people went into battle without even praying. Lord, help us if the man of God doesn't talk to God. Well, guess maybe that's the Lord's not going to help us if the man of God doesn't talk to God. God is going to give us a battle plan. And God is going to tell us if there's anything going on that we need to fix before we go into battle. It's through counsel that things are revealed that we need to fix. 
Whenever we were getting ready to go on a mission in the army, we had to do all kinds of stuff. We had to check all the equipment. We had to we had to go through all kinds of inspections. Brother Jonathan knows what I'm talking about. Like you have to go, you have to check everything. Everything's got to be in good working order, good working condition. And somebody comes by and 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 they inspect everything. They inspect all your equipment. You clean your weapons before you go into war. You do all this stuff. You check everything. Everything's got to be working right. And somebody in leadership is going to catch it. And tell you to fix it before you go into battle. Did you know that they even check your teeth to see if you're going to have any problems, dental problems while you're out in war? And that different categories, you get to a certain category and you can't even go to war if you don't get it fixed. I remember one time I had to, I had to get my wisdom teeth pulled because I wasn't in compliance. I had to go to a Korean dentist, man. I thought that dude was a butcher, man. <laughs> I could not chew for like two weeks after they got done with my mouth. All because the army said, you got to have them out. They weren't even bothering me. But you got to have them out because it's not going to work. Because if they ever give you problems, you don't, you don't want to have that when you go into war. If God says pull the tooth, then get it pulled. It might be painful, but you better get it pulled because it's going to cause you problems later. And we don't like to hear it sometimes. We're reading in the Word of God sometimes, and it points it out, and we're like, I'm just going to skip over that. I don't really like that. No, you, better, you might want to go back to it. Those passages of Scripture that you don't like, those are the ones you probably need to pay attention to the most. Because they're probably the ones that are telling you, that's what you need to fix. That's the tooth you need to pull. That's the weapon you need to clean. That's the thing that's going to malfunction when you get to battle. You don't want to misfire when you've got an enemy running straight towards you. You don't want to go into battle with a dull sword. You don't want to go into battle with a shield that's broken. Come on, somebody. And so before I go into battle, I talk to Jesus, and, and, and I talk to the leadership that's in my life, and I get counsel, and the Lord can say through, through the leadership, or the Lord can speak directly to you, and he can say, you got to fix this. you got to work on this. you got to do this because this is going to cause you problems. This is going to be trouble down the road if you, don't, if you don't fix this. There's some of you in here right now that's got things covered up that you think nobody saw. All right, I'm, all right I feel the Holy Ghost right now. you got sin in your life and you got it covered up and you think you covered it up and nobody could see it. And you're getting ready to go into battle. And you're not going to stand against the enemy if you don't get it fixed. I'm warning you right now. The Bible says that the, the, the man of God has to be a watchman and he's got to blow the trumpet. I need to blow the trumpet right now. Some of you right now, under the sound of my voice, you have sin in your life and you need to fix it. And you know you need to fix it. And you thought you covered it up. But God sees everything. He saw that link you clicked on. He saw the fact that you trimmed that hair when you weren't supposed to. He saw the fact that you were doing stuff you weren't supposed to be doing when you thought nobody was looking, but he's always looking. Because God sees everything. And God sent me here to tell you right now, listen, you're getting ready to face a battle. Don't go into warfare until you get this right. You need to fix this. You need to get in submission. You need to get into alignment. You need to fix whatever this is. You might have fooled your spouse. Can't get away from it right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place right now. You might have fooled your spouse. You might have fooled your children. You might have fooled your boss. You might think you covered the numbers up and, and you fudged it and you figured it out. You might have even fooled the IRS, but you have not fooled God. And you better make it right. You might have even fooled your pastor, but you didn't fool God. If you think you fooled God, you're delusional. So we got to get it right. If there's sin in your life, the altar's always open. And repentance will always take care of it. The problem with Israel going into battle without consulting God is that there was sin in the camp and they didn't even know it. Because what did 
what did God tell Joshua? He said, you got to go and you got to take care of everything and you don't keep anything. You don't keep anything back. Everything is is a it's a cursed. And if, and if you take anything you're not supposed to take in that battle, then you're not only going to be cursed, but you're going to cause curse for everyone else and you're going to cause trouble for everybody else. Well, what happened? There's a man named Achan. Let me just say this. God forbid that my brother and sister die in battle because I was disobedient. 36 men died in that battle of Ai because one man decided he was going to disobey. God forbid that my brother or sister die in battle because I was too arrogant to seek counsel. Or I was too prideful to obey what the what the God said or what the word of God said. The Bible says that Joshua fell on his face after defeat. Had it backwards. He should have fallen on his face before the battle. If he had fallen on his face before the battle, maybe God would have revealed it to him and then they would have taken care of Achan and that man who had kept all that stuff and they never would have had to face the defeat. Those 36 men died needlessly because the man of God didn't pray, the people didn't pray, and they didn't get any counsel, and they went into battle without knowing what was going on, and they thought they had it covered up, and it wasn't covered up because God sees everything. If you don't go to your knees before the battle, you're going to be forced to your knees after the battle. And let, let, me, just, let me just make you a promise right now. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray with you. Amen? As your pastor, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to tell you what God tells me. Amen? And, I, and, and God's going to help us, and we're going to move forward together, and God is going to do great things in our lives, and we're going to have victory. Amen? It's not because I'm anything special, but this is where God has placed me. And God is going to talk to me because he's not going to put a shepherd over you that he's not going to lead and guide and shepherd himself. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to seek the wisdom of God. And God is going to help me to give you wise counsel so that you can go out and win the victory and win all the battles that you need to fight. Amen. Well, Joshua was disillusioned. Because he went to battle without praying, without hearing from God, and then got defeated. And he said, but God, you promised to give us victory everywhere we went. And look what happened. What am I supposed to do now? He was delusional because he was holding on to the promise without walking in obedience. The problem with so many of us, many times, I look, I've been there. I can raise my hand right now. Like, I hear the man of God speak. I hear the prophet speak. I hear the voice of God speak. I read the promise in the word of God, and I write down the promise. But I don't write down the conditions. Lord, I'm waiting for you to heal the land. I'm waiting for you to forgive my sin. I'm waiting for you to heal the land. I'm, I'm waiting for you to do all this stuff, right? But I haven't prayed. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. I'm waiting for the Lord to heal the land, and I haven't prayed. I haven't sought his face. I haven't humbled myself. I haven't turned from my wicked ways. But I'm waiting on God to heal everything in my life that I messed up. The problem is we get so excited about the promise, but we forget about our part and our responsibility. The problem is, is that we, you know, we, we, then we go into battle and we suffer defeat and we get disillusioned. We think God didn't keep his promise. Well, no, it's not that God didn't keep his promise. You didn't do it, hold up your end of the bargain. Or you start thinking, well, the pastor didn't really hear from God. Or the prophet, that was a false prophet. We label that, that, that man of God or that woman of God as a false prophet because, because God didn't do what he said he was going to do. But it, it, it's not that the person was a false prophet. It's not that, that the pastor didn't hear from God. It's not that the, the preacher was not preaching truth. You just didn't do your part. So we lose confidence in God or we lose confidence in the man or the woman of God. But what's really the problem? We've heard and we've believed and we've desired the promise without the conditions. 
We want the blessings without the obedience. We want the benefits without the responsibilities. We want our name up in lights, but we don't want to do the stuff that comes with our name being up in lights. We want God to do all these, to bless everything that we do. And, you know, you know, bless in the city, bless in the field, bless when you come, bless when you go, and all that stuff. But we forget about the part that, you, you, you know, if, if you disobey, you're not going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be cursed in the city. If you disobey, you're not going to be blessed in the, in, in the field. You're going to be cursed in the field. It's, it's all about obedience. But if I walk in obedience, I'll be blessed. But we want the blessing without the obedience. I know this is kind of a hard message right now. We're going to get somewhere there. We're almost there. I'm almost done. Look at Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. As the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmen, the son of Zabdi, Zerah, tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. We talked about it, right? Achan took stuff that he didn't want. He hid it under his tent. He thought he had it hidden, just like some of you think you've got your stuff covered up, but you don't. And because he did that, there was trouble in the camp. And Joshua, as a man of God, learned a very valuable lesson that there was trouble in the camp and I didn't even know it because I didn't pray. He learned this lesson. It's better to pray and hear from God about the trouble before the battle than to wait until after the battle. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Listen, we need to pray that prayer constantly. I need to pray that prayer every single day, and I especially need to pray that prayer before I go into battle. Sin will convince you that, that you can cover it up and nobody will ever know. Sin will always lie to you and tell you that it's not really going to hurt you or, or it's not going to affect anybody else. It's not going to hurt anybody. You, can, you just you go ahead and do it. It's a no, nobody's going to know. It's, a, it's not going to be a big deal. You go ahead and click on that link or, 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 or go, go ahead and, 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 and fudge the numbers at work or, or, or go ahead, and, go ahead and, and lie on your tax re return or, or go ahead and do this. No, no one's ever going to know. No one's, no one's ever going to find out. But, but listen, that's, that's, that's a faulty mindset because God sees everything. And sin will always trouble you, but the lie that, that Satan wants you to believe is that you can get away with it. You're not getting away with anything in the sight of God. He might give you grace and give you space to repent, but you're not getting away with the sin. You better repent and you better get it right and you better stop doing it. Because sin is going to send you straight to a devil's hell. And I don't want you to go to hell, I want you to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, so I got to be right above all else. I must be saved. I need to make sure that I'm right with God, and I want you to make sure that you're right with God. I want to see us walk in victory. I want to see us walk in the blessings and the, and, and the promises of God, but we've got to make sure that we are right with God. I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost in the house right now. Sin will always lead to trouble. And usually that trouble is more than just for you. Because when there's sin in a camp, there's always trouble in the camp. And instead of walking in victory, God's people walk in defeat. Instead of the enemy fleeing seven ways from you, you're fleeing seven ways from the enemy. There's trouble in the camp. Why are you always being defeated? Because there's sin and there's trouble in the camp. Why are you always living in fear? Because you haven't dealt with some things you need to deal with and there's trouble in your camp. Why, why does it feel like you haven't gotten anywhere? You haven't been able to grow or you haven't been able to do this? Why are you still struggling all the time? Maybe it's because you haven't done that one thing that God asked you to do. I just need to do it. Why you still feel troubled and tormented in your mind? Maybe it's because you haven't done what God told you to do. Hmm. Why are you still having trouble in your marriage? Maybe it's because there's trouble in the camp, because there's sin in the camp, or simply because you, you're just not willing to, to heed the wise counsel that you've been given. Lord, search my heart. Put your hands to the Lord right now.
Lord, search my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of life everlasting. Lord, I want to be right with you. I need to be right with you. God, show me if there's something wrong. See, sometimes there's secret sins. That's why David said, cleanse me thou of secret faults, O Lord. Even the hidden sins, I, they're not really hidden. I, I thought I, I kept them under the rug. I thought I had them covered, but they weren't really covered. God, you saw them. Cleanse me from those things. And God, let me be honest and open with you. I need your touch today, Lord. I need your favor in my life, and I'm not going to get it if I've got Sin in the camp. I don't want any more trouble in my camp. I need your touch today, Jesus. I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. What's the answer? First, you got to go to God and find out what the trouble is. And then there's only one way to deal with it. And it, we see it in this story, Joshua chapter 7, verse 19. Joshua said to Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the God of Israel and make confession unto him and tell me what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. I need to make confession of that sin. It's confession that does what needs to be done. You got to confess it to God or you got to confess it to the man of God. I'm not saying you got to stand up here with the microphone and tell everybody what you did. That, if you know, it might get to that one of these days if you don't listen and do it right between you and God the first time or between you and the man of God. But, but you better find somebody that you can confess it to. You better, you better, and I'm not talking about going to a priest because you got to confess it to God and God will forgive you as you confess it to God. But it's okay to come and let the man of God know so the man of God can be praying for you and help you and help you overcome it because there are some things you can't overcome by yourself. You're not getting free from pornography by yourself. Ain't happening. You need help. You need accountability. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So what do we do with it when we find the sin? Because it's there. What do we do with it? If we confess our sins, that's it. That's what Joshua said to Achan. If we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then look at what happened. So they confessed it. So Achan had to confess it, and he did. He confessed it. He said, yeah, this is what I did. This is, I, I took these two garments, and I took this little bag of silver, and it's hidden under my tent. And Joshua said, oh, go find it. It went to Achan's tent. They dug up under the tent. They found it. They brought it back, and then they had to deal with it. Joshua chapter 7, verse 25, why hast thou troubled us? Joshua said to Achan, why hast thou troubled us? Listen, your sin troubles more than just you. It troubles your family, it troubles your marriage, and it troubles those that are closest to you. Your sin affects more than just you. Don't believe that you can just, you know, you, you, you know if you can't get right with God for yourself, then get right with God for your family or something. Because, listen, it affects more than you. Why are you troubled? God, the Lord, shall trouble thee. <laughs> you trouble the people of God, and God is going to trouble you. Oh, boy, got heavy in here again. You trouble the people of God, and God is going to trouble you. You know, how did they trouble him? They stoned him to death, and they burned him with fire. Not just Achan, but his whole family. I know that seems kind of unfair in our eyes, but there's a principle there. You've got to kill that which troubles you you got to put it to death. you got to destroy it. you got to utterly wipe it out. How do you do that? You do that through repentance. What is repentance? Lord, I'm sorry. I disagree with that. I used to think it was all right. I thought I could get away with it. I, I, now I agree with you that this sin is wrong, and I ask you to forgive me of it, and I'm turning away from it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm asking for your help. Lord, I'm not going to walk in it anymore. Repentance is a complete, it's not just an about face, it's a rear march. You're walking in one direction away from God, as far away from God as you can, and you hear the command rear march, which is repent, and you turn around and you walk right back towards God. And the Bible says when you draw nigh unto God that he will draw nigh unto you when you repent God will not resist your repentance when you truly humble yourself under the mighty hand of God he will come to you and he will pick you up where you lay in the dust of repentance and he will pick you up and he will take you out of that miry clay and he will put your feet on the rock to stay you got to repent excuse me you got to get it right 
Achan had to die because Achan means trouble. Whatever's troubling you needs to die. You need to put it to death. You need to get it in the waters of baptism so that it's washed away out of your life. You need to go down in Jesus' name in baptism in water by full immersion and get those sins washed away and come back up and let God fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost so that you can have power to overcome it. You can't overcome sin by yourself. You can't get out of the trouble that you're in by yourself. You need the hand of God to help you. So you bring it to the altar. You confess it. You repent of it. You ask the Lord to help you. You take it to the baptismal tank and go down and be buried with him and let the old man, the sinful man be buried with him. You come up out of that water. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues and God gives you power to live an overcoming life. That's what we got to do. I don't want you killing people that are troubling you. That's not what I'm preaching. I want you to kill the sin that's troubling you. I want you to kill the root of that sin that's troubling you. If you got to get off social media, then get off social media. If you got to stay off the internet, then stay off the internet. You don't need it that badly. It's better to enter into heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two eyes. That's what Jesus said. I'd rather you make it to heaven with only one hand or only nine fingers. Don't go home and chop off your clicking finger, but maybe you just stay away from the mouse. Don't take it too literally here. But is it worth losing that social media contact? If, if, is it worth losing a friendship with the world if it's going to get you to heaven? I know you like your friend, but if a friend's keeping you out of church, if the friend's keeping you from, if the friend's the one dragging you down, then get rid of that friend out of your life. It's not really your friend anyway. Kill the sin, cut it off. We already talked about it, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3 verse 19, he said, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. You know what refreshing means? It means breath. It means new breath. It means the recovery of breath. In other words, you weren't breathing. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. But when the Holy Ghost came in, you got new breath. He breathed on you, and you got new breath in your lungs. You know what it means? The most literal translation of the word refreshing right there is, you know what it means? It means revival. Lord, revive me again. Revive us, oh Lord. Revive us again. Lord, I speak to some dead bones right now. In the name of Jesus, breathe life back into them right now. God, I speak into some dead callings right now. Breathe life back into them. Let some times of refreshing come in the name of Jesus. Some of us are walking around with dead purposes. We need to let Jesus breathe life back into it again. Some of us are walking around with dead callings. We need to let Jesus breathe life back into them again. Some of you are walking in here with a dead marriage, but God wants to breathe life back into that marriage. If you'll come to him and let him get what's right, what's wrong with you right, then God is going to breathe life back into your marriage got some dead dreams but God wants to breathe life back into those dreams that you had I don't care how long ago it was and I don't care what you did the gifts and callings of God are without repentance God wants to revive it all he wants to revive it all he wants to bring breath back into the dry bones this morning I want you to stand with me please I'm almost this is what happened after they went to battle and got defeated. After they got in trouble. After they had to wallow around in the ashes of defeat for a while. The Lord said, now get back up on your feet. You fixed everything. You got rid of the trouble. Now get back up on your feet and go back into the battle again. That's a word for you right now. Somebody's going to get right with God right now, and you're going to get back in the battle, and this time you're going to be victorious. This time it's going to be different. This time you're not going to be defeated. This time you're not going to fall, but you're going to stand. This time it's going to be different. So they went out there. This is a powerful thing. 
We're going to, God said to Joshua, you're going you're gonna to go before him like you did last time. But it's going to be different this time. You're going to go out to him like you did last time. But this time you're going to put some folks back behind the city. And they're going to lie and wait back there. And you're going to go and you're going to attack like before. And they're going to see you and they're going to think, oh, we ran them off before. We defeated them last time. We kicked their tails last time. So, so we're going to go out and we're going to kick their tails again. And they're going to come rushing out of the city. And this is why you talk to God because God knows exactly what they're going to do. God knows what the enemy's going to do before the enemy knows what he's going to do. And so they went out and they went before they came out, and, and the men of Ai said, oh, there they are again. Look at these little Israelites. We got them last time. We go again. So they went out after them, and they left everybody behind in the city, all the women and children, everybody back there, all the men chased after them. And then the Bible says in Joshua chapter 8 and verse 18, God said to Joshua, now lift up your hand that has a spear in it. And that was the signal. The 5,000 men that were behind the city got up and rushed into the city and set the city on fire and got victory over, over Ai, got victory over that thing that had defeated them before because they got the battle plan, because they got right with God, and then they got the battle plan for God. And God used their past defeat to work it in their favor. And when the men of Ai turned around and looked at the smoke back in the city, they realized, wait, now we got to go back that way. But wait, we can't go that way because Joshua's men that started running away to begin with like they did last time, they turned back on them, and now they're surrounded, and they completely wiped out Ai, which was what was supposed to happen the first time. But this time, they got right with God, and this time, they got the battle plan from God. Listen, this is what God is saying to you right now. He's going to give you victory after trouble. I know you got in trouble. I know you messed up. I know you made some mistakes, but God is getting ready to give you victory after your trouble because all you got to do is find a place of repentance and confession. Find a place in the altar right now you need to find you need to get down here and repent you need to confess you need to do whatever it is you need to do you need to get right with God right now the altars are open God is going to give you victory after your trouble come on come on don't wait for somebody else your victory is worth more than what people think about you come on you need to get down here right now God wants to give you victory I know you messed up I know you're struggling I I struggle too. You got to get right. Get right, get right, get right right now. Find a place to get right with God right now. And God is going to give you victory after your trouble. That which once troubled you, is God is now going to turn it into your victory. That which once defeated you, God is going to cause you to defeat it. David slew Goliath with his own sword. Some of y'all think he killed him with a stone. No, he didn't. He knocked him out with a stone. Then he took Goliath's own sword out of the sheath uh, and he, and he, out of Goliath's hands and he chopped Goliath's head off. He killed Goliath with his own sword. I got a word for somebody right now. That which the enemy has used to try to defeat you in the past, God is going to put it into your hands and you're going to defeat the enemy and you're going to cut the head off of that giant once and for all because God is going to give you victory after your trouble. God, you're going to kill the giant that's been threatening your life and your marriage and your finances all these years God is going to give you victory after defeat today God is going to give you the very sword the enemy tried to use against you he's going to place it in your hands and you are going to walk in victory from this moment forward Paul and Silas thrown into prison For preaching the gospel. For casting out devils. Thrown into prison. When they said, I'm going to sing, pray and sing praises at midnight. They began to pray and they began to sing praises. And the Bible says God sent an earthquake. And the earth started shattering. And the, the, the shackles fell off. The prison shook everywhere. Everything happened. All the shackles fell off. Not just for Paul and Silas. But it fell off for everybody in that prison. Listen, your praise might just set somebody else free. Your repentance and your confession might just not only free you from trouble. But it might help you bring victory to some other people after their trouble. God's going to give you a testimony. But listen to this. After they 
got victory over their trouble. They not only got free from their, their chains, they baptized the jailer in Jesus' name and his whole family and the very one that was holding them captive. They baptized them in Jesus' name and the very one that caused them trouble was the one that they defeated and they brought up victory. God is getting ready to give you opportunity to witness to and baptize people that have caused you trouble. So how we got to get right. 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 Come on, lift up your voices in repentance right now. Lift up your voices in confession right now. Lift up your voices and ask God for counsel and ask God for wisdom right now. In the name of Jesus. You better find a place of repentance if you need to right now. God wants to do a work in your life. God wants to give you victory. The time for you to walk around in defeat is over. God wants to give you victory after trouble. You've been troubled for too long. God wants to give you victory today. But you've got to be the one to step forward and get it right. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.